Jazz and Chargers Unleashed, Sebastian Joseph Day, you know the vibes, we outside. You're listening to the Chargers Unleashed Podcast with your host, Dan Wolkenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolfenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by BUSR, Charger Bolt Family, Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolfenstein, uh, as they say, revenge is a dish best served cold. Welcome to Chargers Unleashed, Jake. It feels so damn good to be back on, what do you call it, Jake? A victory effing Monday. Chargers beat the Raiders 24-19. to Start the season 1-0. Vengeance. Revenge. But honestly, last season was last season. This season, we got bigger hopes. 1-0. Chargers defeat the Raiders. You saw the defense go balls out. You saw Justin Herbert go God mode. Uh, you saw Devonte Adams go crazy, but that was kind of all that happened for the Raiders. And Chargers come out of it for the most part unscathed, other than the Keenan Allen injury, which we're still waiting on. Tons to go over today. Obviously, we're going to go into the the kind of the game recap. We'll go briefly because I know we all saw it. Uh, Jake and I will give you guys kind of our brief overview, some of the biggest takeaways we had, and then we'll kind of dive into the nitty gritty of what we saw of a dominant performance by this Chargers team should not have been as close as it was, which we'll also get to. Uh, Jake, last week, over-under, I forgot what it was, was it 16 <laughs> F-bombs that we predicted for you in the text chain with myself? I believe we went over. Oh, we cleared it. We cleared it. But if you are not betting on that, some of our friends over at BUSR have some great sports bets to take care of for you, Jake. Talk about it. I want to remind everybody, our good friends over at BUSR, again, if you have not gone onto their website right now, they have absolutely everything to bet on. You had a great UFC fight last week. You obviously have the first week one of NFL that was just absolute bonkers. You got college football going on right now. Go there if you're a new customer. Make your deposit anywhere from $100 to $1,000. They will actually match your deposit, whatever money that you put in there. Plenty of stuff to bet on. Go to BUSR. Tell them Chargers Unleashed sent you. Use the promo code Unleashed and go make yourself some money. It's free money. It's free money. Jake, victory Monday at SoFi. Chargers fans showed up. Obviously, tons of Raiders fans in attendance. It is LA, folks. Uh, Chargers fans, I would say probably 50-50 is my guess. Maybe 55-45 Raiders fans. But again, comparatively speaking, Chargers fans much more in attendance this year than last year. Uh, against the Raiders on that primetime Thursday night thunderstorming game where we also won, Jake. By the way, 2-0 at SoFi against the Raiders. Uh, Jake, Justin Herbert was just doing Justin Herbert things. DeAndre Carter, Gerald Everett come in. Chargers defense goes ballistic. You saw three interceptions, three forced fumbles, six sacks. We saw a touch. We saw a kick, a punt, excuse me, down inside the two. When's the last time we saw a Chargers special teams play like that? The punter got a game ball, and the Chargers come out of there with a victory. Tons to kind of go over, but 
from your perspective, obviously, Cloud9, Chargers get out of there with a victory. Cannot underscore how important that victory was going into Thursday night. What was kind of your one or two, we'll kind of go one or two each, biggest takeaways? Before we get into the nitty-gritty, kick it right off the bat. Biggest takeaways from this game? It's Justin Herbert and the defense as a whole. So what do you want to talk about first? You know what? Let's talk about the defense because the defense really was the reason that you won this game. Outside of what Devontae Adams came in and and did 141 yards, torched people left and right throughout the game. Look, that should surprise absolutely nobody. When we knew that J.C. Jackson wasn't going to be playing, we're talking about arguably the best wide receiver in the league. And I don't care what jersey logo he's wearing. He's going to do that. And that's what he's about. That's why any team would go out and sign him. So despite that, how does your defense respond? Well, compared to 2021, they responded pretty damn good. Your defense got push. Your duo of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa wreaked havoc collectively. Derwin James was in on the first sack coming out of the box. You follow that up with Khalil Mack getting three sacks throughout the game. Joey Bosa helps out with another five sacks in total. Three interceptions from your defense to close out the game. When it was crunch time, as we have heard from Matt Money-Smith, as we have heard from a lot of other of our guests on our show, Six sacks. Six sacks total. It's it's six sacks? I swore it was five. Six sacks. Three, one and a half from Joey Bosa. You had one from Derwin James. It was a half a sack. I think it was Morgan Fox. Whatever. There was a lot of sacks going. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... Um, we've heard it from Matt Money Smith. We've heard it, but from a number a number of different guests on our show, closers. The difference. What do you go out and you get these guys for? Look what the Chargers invested in their defense for closing games like you had yesterday. Talk about it. I know I wasn't the only one when there's about three minutes left on the clock. It's twenty four to nineteen, and you're thinking. I've seen this movie before. I know what's going to happen. The Chargers are going to blow this thing yet again. No. Third and fourth down consecutively, the Chargers get to to Derek Carr, put him on his back, put the game on ice. Done. I was just extremely impressed, Dan, with the defense as a whole. From the interior defensive line, the edge rushers, the linebacking group, Kenneth Murray looked real good. We'll get into that in a little bit. And the secondary, how do you respond? They gave so many different looks to Derek Carr as far as who they were moving their defensive secondary players around. <laughs> Callahan, Sante Samuel Jr., Derwin James, Mike Drew Davis. Drew Tranquil's back there getting intercepted. All of them at one point were recovering Devontae Adams. So they were giving Derek Carr a lot of different looks throughout the entirety of that game. And they made their adjustments. And it was extremely impressive. But from a defense that was your biggest weakness of 2021, it was so good to see them respond in that fashion. And... Let's just go on to the second one. Justin Herbert. I mean, is it his most impressive game that he's ever had? Statistically, no, it wasn't. But to look at how he distributed the ball, especially after Keenan Allen goes down, you had seven wide receivers that had four targets or more. And there were four passes that he threw yesterday that were just absolutely out of this world. The first one was the closest that 
Chandler Jones even bothered to sniff in his direction when he actually made Justin Herbert do the splits. And Justin Herbert still completes the pass to Gerald Everett over the middle that goes for 20-plus yards. Yeah. The second one was when DeAndre Carter got involved in the game. Justin Herbert rolls out to his left. The way he throws this ball and guns it in there with the timing, Mina Kimes actually had it on her Mina Dimes is is what her segment was. Ah, But there was a 27% chance of that ball being completed from where Justin Herbert threw it and where the defender was and the timing, everything taken into account. That was a 27% chance of that throw being completed. Absolutely disgusting. The other one was the rollout to the right. Keenan Allen, right over the top. You put that in between three defenders that were right there. It was an absolutely beautiful throw. And then number four. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God. My favorite. The, the, this is the best part about this throw. The throw from Justin Herbert, as far as the ball sailing through the, the air. The mechanics of the throw. It wasn't even the best thrown ball. But the fact that there's so much cannon behind it and Justin Herbert with his accuracy, this ball just sails in between two defenders and meets DeAndre Carter right in his stomach, right in the middle of the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, these were ridiculous throws that he made yesterday. Unbelievable. Under control. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, He's that dude. It's hard to... I mean, 129.4 passer rating, 84.8 QBR, 279 touch, uh, 279 yards, excuse me, 26 of 34 completions. And Jake, I'll start with the last one you had first. That last throw, there might be three quarterbacks in the NFL that can make that throw. Justin Herbert's one, Josh Allen's the other. Maybe Aaron Rodgers. But like that takes some guts. If you go back and watch that, that ball is on a rope, maybe 10 feet off the ground, going 30 yards in the air. Like, that doesn't happen. That's not normal. Uh, yes, Justin Herbert, God mode. Uh, you said defense. My biggest takeaway before we get into the specifics is, I think, I forget who it was on the crossover, Jake, that talked about targeted missile strikes for this Chargers offseason and going out and getting new talent to infuse within this team on both sides. It may, it, it, I think it may have been with a Chris Harry. Well, no, I'm going to say that, back. I take that back. I mean, part of that was Chris, but I do know when Tyler was talking about it specifically for the tight ends, when he's talking about the adjusted EPA and everything like that, I, I, I we were talking about a lot that day. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, yes. But targeted missile strikes, Jake, my biggest takeaway is the new free agents and all of them, for the seeming, seemingly all of them impacted this game. You can go down the list. Gerald Everett impacted this game. Touchdown, beast mode, yard after catch machine. That throw slash catch, you didn't even mention that one to Gerald Everett on the sideline. And then Gerald Everett drags him into the touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Carter, new addition to this team. Three catches, I think it was like 70 yards roughly, had that catch for a touchdown. And who had Xander Horvath on their bingo card for the first touchdown of the regular season? Xander Horvath, new addition. Zion Johnson, new addition. Balled out. Looked great as a rookie. Go to the other side, Jake. Who didn't perform? Who was new? Bryce Callahan clamped down Hunter Renfro. And do not overstate. You can't overstate how impressive that is. Because Hunter Renfro is a damn good wide receiver. 
And he's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And Bryce Callahan just did that. Kyle Van Noy. Damn. Like, he showed some physicality there that you're not used to seeing. <laughs> Morgan Fox looked pretty good. And the one, the only Khalil effing Mack comes in. Three sacks. You saw how hungry he is. The amount of new guy, J.K. Scott, comes in, gets a game ball, blast punts with over five-second hang times within the 20. It's it's ridiculous. Sebastian Joseph Day, new guy. Austin Johnson, new guy. It's it's I get chills because it's amazing how well again, it's one game. It's overreaction Monday, I get it. But how well the new guys performed on this team and how many of them, the sheer volume of impact plays that they had, that was my takeaway because you saw so many plays. Yesterday, we were like, that guy wasn't on our team last year. That guy would not have made that play if it was our guy last year. Like, the defense would have lost that game if it was 2021. Let's just be real. But those new guys stepped up and just... it's a That's a big deal. I challenge any other NFL team to show me a roster that has that many impact players making impact plays that are new to their team in one season. Khalil Mack just stepping up in his first game back. Five tackles, one assist, three sacks is just disgusting. Second behind only Derwin James, who had six. But then look at who was contributing behind that, Dan. Asante Samuel Jr., who at first looked was having an up-and-down game, was right behind that in tackles. Obviously had the great interception in the end zone. Nasir Adderley, again, four tackles. Drew Tranquil, who had himself a day with a Madden-like interception in the middle of the field. You and I talked about it. I don't know what he was doing that far down the field, that deep in coverage. But seriously, that was just like someone hit the Y button, right? When you throw it over the middle to a wide open receiver, and all of a sudden, it's just, you know, the ball just happens to fit right there in the middle of the linebacker's hands, and then it's going the other way. Uh, Dan, Kenneth Murray. Woof. <laughs> you think he's a little bit pissed off that right now? That boy's hungry. <laughs> Somebody was angry yesterday taking down an offensive lineman like that and then going right back three yards to tackle the running back. That was a dog-like play. Um, I have to talk about this because we do have to highlight Asante Samuel Jr. in this. For about 15 minutes, Twitter just was blowing him up after the just disgusting route that Devontae Adams put on him for a 50-yard gain that was down the That field. is so not his fault. That is Devontae freaking Adams making a ridiculous play. Like Go that. find me other cornerbacks that have burned, been burned by Devontae Adams. Spoiler alert, you're going to find a lot. <laughs> so, But how do you respond to that? On a key third down play. Derek Carr looking for Devontae Adams again. Asante Samuel Jr. plays the ball perfectly, anticipates it, comes, comes out with a terrific pass breakup. And then later in the game, I still could not believe how quick the decision-making here had to be. So I can't remember who Asante Samuel Jr. is covering on the outside, but it's him. It's Bryce Callahan stacked up against Devontae Adams and another wide receiver. I think he's, cover- I think he's covering Hunter Renfro. Okay. So... Devontae Adams actually catches Bryce Callahan with his pants down because Bryce is looking towards the middle of the field, signaling to the defense, and then the ball is snapped, and Devontae Adams is already past him. So now Bryce Callahan yeah. is, is in pursuit. 
Devontae Adams throws his hand up. He's calling for the ball. Derek Carr throws on it. In the midst of all this, as Bryce Callahan is trying to catch up to Devontae Adams, Asante Samuel Jr. follows him down the field. Doesn't even, doesn't even care about Hunter Renfro anymore because he knew as soon as that hand went up that Derek Carr was going to look for him. He knows that, that he's springing free. So Asante Samuel Jr. goes off his route to support Bryce Callahan, tracks the ball. The ball, to his credit, is, or for Asante's credit, the ball was underthrown, but does a great job of adjusting in midair to grab that interception. I mean, just talk about a guy who responds after being just put on blast for about 10 minutes. And there's from video. The best wide receiver in the league. And we're talking about game one of a second year cornerback. The type of confidence that you have to have to do something like that against. One of the best is arguably one of one. It's, it's amazing to see. I mean, I know cornerbacks drip confidence. You have to have confidence to play in this game, but you'd love to see something like that. And it's, I'm so glad you brought this up because again, we're talking about, you said it, a second year cornerback going up against probably the best wide receiver in the game. And the receiver won a lot. But you saw a cornerback that was fighting the entire game. And I think what was the most impressive thing to me, and I saw this as the biggest sign of respect from Devontae Adams, was there's video out there. I forget where it was in the game. But Asante Samuel Jr. clams down on Devontae Adams, press coverage, stops him in his tracks, and Devontae Adams kind of loses it a bit. And there's a little bit of scuffle going on where Devontae Adams is kind of throwing Asante Samuel Jr. around, grabbing his jersey, pushing, whatever. Asante Samuel Jr. responds, pushes him back. You don't see Devontae Adams or any good receiver give two licks about cornerbacks enough to do that stuff unless they are getting under their skin and competing. And say what you will, Devontae Adams balled out. Like, that's Devontae Adams. You expect it. But Asante Samuel Jr. to respond to be able to stay with him and fight the entire time. That shows why this team and why so many fans fall in love with this guy and why everybody talks about like the dog in him is because he actually will not quit. He does not care. He sought training camp as a rookie. He immediately went over to Keenan Allen and said, I want to guard him every time. I don't care if I get burned. I want to guard him every time. If he could do that to Devontae Adams in year two, it bodes so well for him. So I agree with you. Asante Samuel Jr. is one of my highlights. I know he got burned a lot. I think he also got covered. I think he also got targeted the most of any cornerback in this game. Again, because Devontae Adams. But Jake, do you want to go offense or defense? We went over the big picture. Offense let's or defense? Flip, let's flip it to the offense. Okay. Uh, we didn't talk about this yet, but um, I don't know about you, but I didn't see any Chandler Jones. He was a ghost. Max Crosby, no sacks. Chandler Jones, no sacks. Our offensive line, their offensive line, the Chargers offensive line. Trey Pipkins. Um, hello. I think he gave up three pressures. Two. Two pressures. Two pressures. Zero sacks, two pressures against Max Crosby, who absolutely obliterated the Chargers week 18 last year. Zion Johnson, rookie, zero sacks. Corey Lindsley, epic as usual. Rasan Slater, 
lockdown, no problem. He's not regressing. He's that dude. Zero. Zero. Zero sacks. It's like, if you, if, do you think any Chargers fan expected there to be zero sacks? None. No. No. And even <laughs> if it wasn't coming from Crosby or Jones, you figured, like, okay, they'll get one in there somewhere, you know, at least one. Zero sacks, two quarterback hits, and two tackles for loss combined by Crosby and Jones, who supposedly were a top five duo in the NFL. One thing I noticed, Dan, that was a big sign of learning from your mistakes from last year. Again, we're talking about a different player in Storm Norton. We know what happened to him last year on a number of different occasions. They did not give the opportunity for Max Crosby to get off that line to get past Trey Pipkins from the go because you had... Trey McKitty, you had Gerald Everett literally in there. Virtually, it felt like most of the first half, and then it was sporadic throughout the entirety of the game. They were in there chipping. There was someone to clip him, to knock him in a different direction. They were giving Trey, Trey Pipkin support when he needed it, and they did it early. They did not allow these guys to get to him like they did last year, and it 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 felt like so many times we were screaming, can you put a tight end on that side? Can you chip this dude? Do something. Do something to give Storm Norton any protection. And it took him forever to do it. And this time they got to that right from the get-go. They said, no way, you're not going to have this. And unfortunately for Chandler Jones, he's the one that drew the short straw and had to basically stay on the left side. And you, <laughs> you saw what his afternoon was like. So Max Crosby thought he was going to get a lot of what he got in the last game of 2021, no, sir, did not happen. So offensive line, you have to really be happy with. Zion Johnson, have yourself a day. Looks good, sir. <laughs> it looks good, sir. How how fortunate, and again, credit to Telesco and Staley, how fortunate they are to hit seemingly home runs with both Rashawn Slater and Zion Johnson back-to-back for your offensive line and Justin Herbert like that, that is you, that is so impressive. And we are so grateful as folks covering, watching the team that you can see that because the impact is massive. Uh, Chargers offense opposite of what you saw with the Raiders, the Chargers offense spread the ball around like crazy. You saw no receiver had more than four receptions on the Chargers. Keenan Allen, John Trey Carter, Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, Trey McKitty, and Josh Palmer all had three or more receptions. Justin Herbert, again, 26 for 34, 279. And again, that's without like that's without a second half's worth, really, of, of statistics, if you will. Like, the volume for offense wasn't there. We'll get to kind of what we saw from the, the conservative. Also including a couple of drops, too, throughout the game. McKitty had a huge one. But the... Justin Herbert does not care the number on your jersey. If you are open, he'll throw it to you. He threw to freaking Richard Rodgers. I was like, I forgot he's on the team. Richard Rodgers is getting targets. So I I think from a sustainability perspective, that's what you love to see. Keenan Allen was balling out before he went out with the hamstring injury. They got like three catches for 64 yards or something like that. Four catches. And even without that, without him... You saw Gerald Everett, DeAndre Carter step up immediately. And I know that some of that was 
kind of an emergency situation. Like, all right, he's out. You got to step up. I don't care. I'm so glad that the Chargers got to see what DeAndre Carter can do in a game. I was there live at SoFi. He is always open. Like, he is such a unique offensive weapon to have. And I would love to see them use him more. And also, can we talk about Gerald Everett? Some of the things we saw yesterday would not have happened last year. That catch that he had against, I forget what corner it was, on the sideline. I think it was actually Teamer. I think it was Teamer that was was actually trying to tackle him. Yep. Which is honestly, that throw takes guts, man. To, for Justin Herbert to throw that to him, that take, and that's going at the, that's going to Gerald Everett, who he just got on the team. Like that usually takes a lot of like synergy and practice and reps. And he's like, screw it. He's over there. I'm doing it. And then the yards after the catch on that one where uh, Justin Herbert is almost doing the splits, gets it over to him. And he again, yards after catch afterwards. Gerald Everett looked good. So overall, the offensive play calling first half, I thought was good. That was really good. Lombardi talked about it, I think it was yesterday. He actually owned up to some of the conservative play calling in the second half. If he had to go back and do it again, he would do that a little bit differently. Um, I get the mentality of our defense is doing so good. Like, let's try to run the ball, be a physical dominant team. But, but, would you have Justin Herbert, like, throw caution to the wind? I would rather see you give him three opportunities to get 10 yards than anyone else on this team. I have more confidence in him getting it. They are now again, I get it because this defense and special teams gave this coaching staff a lot more confidence than it gave him last year. But the defense bailed out the offense if we're being, but again, like you'll take it like the Chargers defense didn't do that last year. Yeah, you'll take it. But statistically, if your offense, or specifically your run game, is only getting 2.4 yards a clip, put the ball in your hands to the guy who you know is going to get you a hell of a lot more than that and who looked to be really in rhythm even going in, in the middle of that third quarter going down on some of those drives. Yep. I was just baffled by some of them. And, and you know, again, there, there were drives that should have continued because not fault of Lombardi's, but of drops. The drop from Trey McKitty was a very bad drop because there was about 15 yards of green ahead of him that could have continued. He was that backed one. up in his own end zone. There was another one that was earlier in the game from Mike Williams that should have been caught and should have continued that drive. So here we are at the drop issue again that we don't like to see. But yes, I like the fact that Joe Lombardi is realizing that, owning up to it. And let's just, instead of just thinking of the overall play calling, let's just understand something. The running game is going to get better. Let's not forget about that. And I'm sure that they're going to try to go with this similar type of battle plan again, because trust me, a lot of teams, if you were up 14 points that late in the game, you're going to want to run the ball and eliminate some clock. But if you're only getting 2.4 yards a carry, that's not going to do it. So you're going to have to stay a little bit more aggressive. But I guarantee you there's going to be other moments throughout this season that they're going to try to to execute that same tactic, and hopefully they'll do it with better results. DeAndre Carter, Jalen Everett, were your best, if you're looking at PFF, again, not the Bible, but if you look at PFF, both of those guys were your top two uh, receiving grades. DeAndre Carter with a 90.2, Jalen Everett with an 81.9, Keenan Allen third, 79.7. Uh, DeAndre Carter, Jalen Everett, both of them, three receptions on four targets. 
for a combined roughly 120 yards and two touchdowns. I was just thinking of the DeAndre Carter touchdown for one more second. And I almost forgot the fact that Justin Herbert threw that pass again. We've lauded the pass, but he threw it from the 31 yard line for crying out loud. <laughs> he mean, threw a, he basically threw a fastball. You don't want to make chain. the pass even more disgusting. This wasn't like a 15 yard throw. No, it was from the 31 yard line to the end zone. I thought he literally muscled a 31 yard touchdown over the in through the air in double coverage. <laughs> Through two defenders, and the ball went no more than literally no more than twelve feet off the ground, without a spiral. <laughs> like that, that if you go back and watch, like that takes guts. And I would love to see Derek Carr try to make that throw. Guarantee that is not a touchdown if Derek Carr makes that throw. By the way, Jake. Speaking of the quarterback thing, um, two things. One. Uh, did you see the video on TikTok of the Derek Carr jersey being thrown in the field? You said that to me, yes. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. And second, at SoFi, there were a couple times where Derek Carr made some not good throws, which we'll talk about the Chargers defense here in a bit. I turned over to some of the to the Raiders fans that were in front of me, which, which actually, shout out to the Raiders fans. You guys were actually very, very cordial. Everything was very awesome to be honest in our the section. ones in your section yeah, in my section okay there's some video out there not so much um <laughs> there were a few throws that turn into drops or incompletions let's just call it that and I, I look over to them and i say hey like if you had the other quarterback on the team like you probably get that and i asked okay who would you rather have justin herbert or Derek carr and he goes Oh, Derek Carr. And I was like, you are completely out of your mind and you are full of it. He's like, well, I am very drunk. So that's all I got to tell you. (laughs) I was was like, all right. (laughs) I am very drunk. (laughs) You know what? At least the dude was honest. That's good. It wasn't, you know, like he didn't put the Homer hat on. He at least just admitted he was drunk. It's like, Uh, okay. All right, last last little tidbit. We do a lot of stupid things when we're <laughs> fucked up. Yes. <laughs> last, last little tidbit, which I thought was funny. There was another Raiders fan who, when the Raiders were coming back a little bit, he was getting all pumped up and brought out like a Raider Nation flag. And he was talking about how, uh, you know, the, the Raiders own LA and Raiders were here first. And and Ryan Dyer, friend of the show, founder of LAFB, turns over to him and he's like, well, actually, no, the Chargers were here first. And the Raider fan is like, no. <laughs> Ryan's like, no, no, he what? They, they were. He's like, well, no, that doesn't count because that was the AFL. And Ryan's, <laughs> and Ryan, and Ryan's like, what? You realize the Raiders from the AFL too? What are you talking about? <laughs> but to see the gears turning on this Raiders fan, where he's like, crap. <laughs> I'm laughing more than I should because this is very funny in the moment. But let me get this train back on track. Chargers defense, Jake. Um. Whew. We heard a lot of folks talking about can Brandon Staley get the defense to where he wants it to be? Will we see a repeat of last year? Can these guys come together without any real preseason snaps? And they answered all of that with conviction. The way that this defense looked without JC Jackson was pretty damn special. I do not remember the last time. This is no hyperbole. I don't remember, literally, the last time the Chargers had three interceptions, three forced fumbles, 
and six sacks. Like, that was, I think, the, for me, Jake, the thing that was most important was they finished when they had the opportunity for game-changing yes. planes. Yes. And we saw that so many times, not just last season, many seasons. Guys have the ball in their hands, forced fumble, interception, almost a sack, almost a tackle for a loss, almost insert thing. Yet this game, like they finished. Even the forced fumble, there's a couple of forced fumbles. I don't know how the Raiders even got those. The Hunter Renfro one, I do not know how he got that back in his hands. No. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, he was fortunate enough to have some of his offensive linemen around him when he fumbled that one. But Dan, think about this for a second. The one thing that you hoped would have happened is that the Chargers could have taken better advantage of those turnovers. If you get points on at least two of those turnovers. Yep. And that was the part that was frustrating in the second half. Like, you just need to work on that. You need to capitalize on those opportunities because it's hard to get those type of turnovers in the NFL. And especially against a divisional opponent when you need it. You know, I knew that the game was going to be close. I had it within one point. I picked it last week that it was going to be within six. But when you look at it, damn. Missed field goal couple opportunities not to score off of turnovers the chargers realistically if they were on not to say that they weren't because even what justin herbert did was impressive but if you just had no mercy and were consistent from an offensive standpoint of just going up and down the field you could have put up a lot of more points in this game yeah i want to start we all know what happened with mac and bosa we're going to talk about the defensive line a second i want to start with the secondary in my eyes, I think we all knew as soon as J.C. Jackson was not going, and honestly, even if J.C. Jackson was going, I honestly thought Devontae Adams is probably going to get his. Now, was, was I think he was going to go for you know ten receptions for a buck forty and touchdown? Like I don't know, but like I did not think for a second. I know I have rose colored glasses, but I did not think that oh, Chargers are going to clamp down on Devontae Adams. Like it's just not. I, I didn't see it. It's not realistic. But I did see. Hunter Renfro getting locked down by Bryce Callahan in the slot. And I like that matchup. And the boy, did that matchup turn into our favor. Bryce Callahan played, I believe, I think he was the second best coverage grade on the Chargers. 76.3 followed. <laughs> Fitting. Uh, only one better was Drew Tranquil, who got that interception. Jake, Bryce Callahan, 43 reps at slot corner was targeted second most on the team behind Asante Samuel Jr. Gave up, I believe it was three receptions on seven targets for 21 yards. That's your slot corner going up against, for the most part, Hunter Renfro. It's pretty damn good. Brandon Staley talked about it afterwards. He's arguably the best slot corner in the NFL. And we are just fortunate that we were able to see him. The secondary, Derwin James, you talked about, is doing Derwin James things. I mean, he's all over the field. It was so refreshing to see Derwin James in the box so often. Not because he can perform once he's in there, but because he actually could. There was talent around him enough to where he didn't have to be the safety valve all the time. And so to be able to see him being aggressive and unleashed, uh-huh. Music to my eyes 
if you will. Um, I like how you put that music to my eyes. <laughs> and then the last thing before I let you kind of roll with this a little bit, Jake, you talked about Kenneth Murray, the physicality that you saw across this defense was something that we have been clamoring, praying to the heavens for, for so long. Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Kyle Van Noy. It goes on and on. Asante Samuel Jr., even through the losses he had. Nazir Adderley, you saw Kenneth Murray go crazy. You saw, obviously, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. Like, you saw physically imposed plays where you're seeing offensive linemen being pushed out of the frame by linebackers. You're seeing defense, which for the most part, other than the very end of the game, for the most like the fourth quarter, their run defense was tremendous. And so the physicality on that defense, like of, of all of the things that I saw, and I know the secondary, like the secondary and actually finishing was big. But to see like physicality from guys that you had question marks on, like it was it was damn refreshing to see Kenneth Murray out there looking pissed. Yeah, Dan, got to talk about the interior defensive line and the run defense. The Raiders had fourteen yards rushing in the first half. I think it was, what, 64 total? Because obviously they got their holes open a little bit more. They made some adjustments in the second half. Josh Jacobs got you know, a little bit better running room as they tried to get back into it. But, what, 64 total yards rushing? Oh, man, I'll take that any day of the week. Uh-huh. Josh Jacobs was such a big part of what wore the defense down last year in Week 18. At over 100 yards against the Chargers. You give me a 64-yard or hell, even 60 to 90, I will accept that as a win for this team from a run game standpoint on defense. You make it like that, and it, and I'm sure, obviously, the, the Raiders playing from a 17 to 3 deficit at that point in time obviously changed their play calling a little bit. But this was the type of thing that I was talking about, Dan. You can stop the run, and you can put up points, and your defense gives you more opportunities for your offense to do so, you start stacking bodies like that, it just completely eliminates one facet of the opposing opposition's game. And I thought that that was just an extremely good thing to see considering where we have come from with a run defense with this team over the last two years. 100%. And and just to touch on Derwin James for a second, Jake, he played three, three snaps on the line, 14 snaps as a box safety, 20 snaps of free safety, 19 snaps at slot corner, and two snaps as outside corner. Talk about a chess piece, Swiss Army knife. Like, that's your guy. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. and Mike Davis, but they were the two primary outside corners. And then, of course, Bryce Callahan, who, in my eyes, was, other than Mac, the MVP of this defense yesterday. He was that good. And Jake, I will say last thing on the defense here from me, uh, Khalil Mack for folks questioning if he still has, can he it, still do it <laughs> for folks questioning if he lost Stop step, asking. like <laughs> stop asking dude, three sacks. Like that's, 
against the Raiders. Like, you knew you knew that the pass rush was going to be considerably better. Yes. No one saw that. Coming. I don't think I saw a stat line of three sacks and six total tackles for the first game of the season for Khalil Mack. Get out of no. here. No, that that was ridiculous. And and so like Derwin J not Derwin J, excuse me, Brand Staley afterwards, somebody asked him, like, do you think Khalil Mack had like a little something extra for that game? Like, was he juiced a little bit more? And I thought it was interesting, and I actually kind of like this. Like Brand Staley kind of chirped back real quick. And you he's don't see this, you don't see this often, but he's like, No, like that's Khalil Mack all the time. You're just lucky enough to see it now. You just haven't seen it before. I'm paraphrasing. So no, that is Khalil Mack. That's what he is all the time. He doesn't have to get up or down for games because that's just where he brings. And man, does he make look? Does he make Brandon Staley look so damn smart? Bringing in a guy like that completely changes this defense. We thought it was going to happen. We get him for again? <laughs> well, <laughs> a second we and a fifth. <laughs> I will say, I'm a second throw, and I'm, two conditional seventh round picks. I'm going to throw a little shade at Jake because I remember when I first called you about this. You were a little iffy on the second round pick part. And I was like, hold on, Jake Hefner. <laughs> we're talking about Khalil. Look, I love me Mac. some I look, I love <laughs> me some draft capital. Okay. I've seen this song and dance before the when the Chargers round. trade away specifically second round picks and you have to sit there and you have to wait and you see what your other teams in your division or just other teams in the NFL in general pick up in the second round. Like the Justin Herbert year where they went Kenneth Murray, Justin Herbert, and then like you waited 17 hours. It felt exactly. Exactly. So I get it. I get it. But then I remember, I think it's like a half hour later, we were talking later, and you're like, I was like, Jake, it's Khalil Mack. And you're like, okay. All right. I, I know I freaked out a little bit at first because of the second round pick, but like, are you serious? Just a second yeah. round pick. A second round pick and a conditional seventh, fifth, whatever it is. Sorry. It was, it was actually a, uh, a six round selection. Sixth, okay. Second and a sixth round selection that they sent, and then I think there was a conditional seventh in there somewhere, but still, it's, it's just stupid. <laughs> and, to ha- mean, and to have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, Staley talks about it going into the season, how all most of the elite edge-rushing duos, you see over 85% of the snaps, and right on cue, they both, I think one was at 84, one was at 91%, respectively. Like they dominated that defense, that offensive line. Excuse me. So uh, that's those are kind of my biggest takeaways from the defensive side. Anything else that you're missing or that you felt like we needed to talk about other than, oh, I'm sorry. I had one more, Jake. And this is probably one of my favorite things that I saw. I don't know how I missed this. How many times prior to this year, Jake, have you seen the Chargers get one covered sack? Let alone, like, multiple coverage sacks. Well, in 2021, there was not a lot of opportunities <laughs> of that happening because you couldn't get off the field on third down. It could be third down and 38, and somehow the opposing offense would find a way to convert it. So, no, coverage sacks were uh, were a rarity for the Chargers in 2021. And for, you know how happy Khalil Mack has to be? Like, I think he talked about it. Like, I'm not used to getting coverage sacks like this. For... I'm watching this and I'm seeing like Scar having to step up, turn around, try to readjust, go to his fourth read. I'm like, who, who is this? And this is without JC Jackson, Jake. 
Like, I know I'm the optimist here. I know you're the pessimist. And I know that there was that time at third and 17 where we saw Devontae Adams get that catch. And you're like, you've got to be <laughs> there it is. kidding me. But even you, Jake, have to admit that that was a damn impressive debut for this Chargers defense. And aside from the second half stall, if you will, of the Chargers offense, which I think is more play calling than anything else. That's a pretty damn good way to start the season. Like you could not have asked for much more than that. It was damn good in a must have game because Thursday is going to yield much different results defensively against the chiefs. And you had to avoid going zero into the two in the division. And you know how many people were thinking, like, we can't go 0-2. We can't go 0-2. You couldn't. You could not afford to do that because then you would have had to at least win the rest of your divisional games from that point Which on. And we're, again, we're talking about the AFC West here, okay? It's it w- Everybody's trying to say, oh, yeah, I could see three teams coming out of the AFC West. No. No, I don't see that happening whatsoever. We're going to beat the crap out of one another. <laughs> this division is just too loaded. So divisional games are the first step to getting to the playoffs. They mean two, as Matt Money Smith said last week. They count for two. And they got to. And they got to. And so, look, if you gave Chargers fans true serum heading into the season and said, would you take one and one? Most yes. Of them would, most yes, of them would I would take it. that. Going on the road and winning in Kansas City is tough for anybody. Chargers have done a, it. it. They have done it. But it's it's a rarity that those type of things happen for opposing teams in Kansas City. It's it's a rarity when you get a victory there because it's damn hard to win. But I will say, we did see Nate Hobbs lock down Mike Williams. And people want to talk about, where is Mike Williams? We're paying him this much money. Like There's also guys on the defense on the other team who get paid too. And... Give credit where credit is due. Nate Hobbs did damn good against Mike Williams. With If Keenan Allen's not able to go, or even if he is able to go, you're going to have to see more from Mike Williams. I think you will. I think we're on the street is Trent McDuffie is trending towards not playing. I think he got hurt well, in week he, one. Well, he did not. They label, I think they were still doing the assumption practice report is how they put it today. I think Monday was like a rest day for both teams, but the assumed uh, status is that Trent McDuffie would not have played today. And apparently he also has a hamstring injury. So we'll see what comes of that. But you know what? Mike Williams specifically has a pretty good recent history at Arrowhead. Pretty good track So record. number one, he has to step up because I don't believe that Keenan Allen is going to be playing Thursday. Um, but it'll be a situation in an environment that he's very used to stepping up in. So that's just fine. Yeah. He's talked about it that he enjoys going, going into Kansas City. And I think Justin Herbert has too. Like that's such a, it's a fun environment. Say what you will about the fans who are incredible there. Like that's what you play for. Um, JC Jackson, I think we heard from Brandon Staley said it would probably be a 50, 50 shot that he plays. He did say that he could have, he said, he asked like, could he have played today? Meaning yesterday? And he said, maybe. And I think if this was a playoff game, Jake, I think he would have played. I think if this was a must win game, if it wasn't week one, JC Jackson probably played yesterday, mm-hmm. but we might see JC Jackson. And I love Keenan Allen, and he is a very critical component of this Chargers team. If I had to pick one of the two that I felt would be a bigger impact to this Chargers team, specifically this Thursday, I would take J.C. Jackson playing. 100%. Keenan Allen. 
Because Justin Herbert lives all boats. Justin Herbert makes DeAndre yes. Carter and Gerald Everett and Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer and Mike Williams all look great. And so, look, not necessarily has to be at Keenan Allen's expense, but I'm excited about the possibility of Michael Bandy being created yes! for Thursday. Give me the Bandy let's, man, Can Come on, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, Chargers win 24-19. Start the season 1-0. Raider Nation in shambles. Derek Carr jerseys being thrown on the field. Chargers are currently a one seed, or at least tied for the one seed, with with whatever it is, eight other teams in the AFC West in the AFC. Um, before we get into the preview of Chiefs Chargers, epic primetime matchup from Amazon, uh, coming from Amazon Prime. Anything else you want to talk about? You know, I was having a really good morning this mm. morning before I heard some very unfortunate news. So transaction went down today. First glimpse of it was that we got was that the Chargers were elevating defensive lineman Christian Covington to the active roster from the practice squad. And immediately everybody's going nuts. Everybody's thinking like, wait a minute, we didn't suffer an injury on the defensive line yesterday. Did we? Did we? Some people are saying, is it, is it, is it a replacement for Tillery? No. Unfortunately, it is for... One person in particular, and I will admit this, Dan, I got a little bit emotional on Twitter with what I typed. I should have followed, you know, the old adage, don't press send type of thing. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't overly rude. I just couldn't comprehend the decision why. So, and Dan, this is actually just from Daniel Popper's report that he has now released within the last 20 minutes here. So he goes into this. So essentially... Full circle, Christian Covington has taken the roster spot of one Brennan Fajoko. And apparently, when we're, the questions are being asked to Staley as Popper is addressing it here. So when asked why, the, this, is, this is specifically the quote from the piece. When asked why the Chargers made this move now, despite Fajoko not even suiting up for Sunday's game, let's not forget he was inactive for, yes, for yesterday's game, didn't even play. Staley said, there's just some procedural stuff, be, beginning of the 53 stuff that goes on, end quote. The, and then this is where it gets interesting because Popper alludes to, I think this is him speculating, but he, I think he's trying to connect the dots here. Says the potential translation here, Covington is a vested veteran with more than four accrued seasons. And as such, his contract would have been fully guaranteed if he was on the week one active roster on game day. By releasing Covington on cut down day and waiting until week two to re-sign him to the active roster, his contract is not guaranteed. And the Chargers would not be on the hook for his remaining salary if they do decide to cut him again later on this season. Interesting. So Staley then goes on to say, that the Chargers do hope to sign Fajoko back to the practice squad if he signs waivers. His particular, his exact quote here: "We think a lot of Christian, and we think and and we think that he's really a valuable contributor to our front as we do with Brendan. As you guys know, it was very competitive for that spot, and we 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 see both of those guys as assets for our football team. And just felt like for this week, interesting term there for this week, that this would be the best decision." excited that we're able to have him on our team. I got to admit, I think this was a really weird, mm -hmm. strange move by the organization to do something like this. Um, 
outside of what we just saw two weeks ago in a very emotional Brennan Fajoko taking the podium, talking about making the 53. Dan, we talked about how good it felt from a, a fellow teammate in Sebastian Joseph Day, him getting that opportunity as well. Statistically, you're talking about a guy who for over the past couple of years has worked his ass off to earn a roster spot, did it again this preseason, Was it, has been a fan favorite since he got here. You want to look at the stats in terms of his what he can do for stopping the run? He was one of your best that you had last year. And from a depth standpoint, you could feel good about having Fajoko in there to rotate with some of the guys along this interior defensive line. I don't understand this whatsoever. And I'm trying to hold my emotions in check here because it just, it really does not make much sense to me. I don't understand this explanation. Um, I don't think that you're going to see, unfortunately, I don't think that you're going to see Brennan Fajoko back in a Chargers uniform. I would be very surprised at that. Uh, I think the potential for him to get picked up now, now that we are in week one with injuries taking place, it's a better shot that he gets picked up now than it was when the 53-man roster was getting cut down to that final number before the season started. Um, I, I don't know what to say about this. This this one this one really hurt in just the fashion that it went down. I think it was. I honestly think it. There's a couple things here. Um, I think the way it went down, I think it's probably irking a lot of people and people are just like confused. Um, and then also I think it's less about Fahoko and I think it's more about the other guy who's still on the team. It, and I know like people are up in arms about why and how Jerry Tillery is still on this team. But like if going on the second part first, if we're looking at, Purely from an impact perspective, we're talking about a guy who did not dress, did not play, was not active, had zero bearing on the Chargers defense performance last game. Considering how things went, I probably don't see them changing that for week two because the Chargers run defense is pretty darn good. Pass defense, pretty darn good. So we're talking about a player who had zero impact on the season so far in game. Now he did very well and worked his ass off. And I think he is a damn good interior defensive lineman, but is he better than Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph day and Morgan Fox? No. And does he bring more to this team and the team's needs than a guy like Covington or even a guy like Tillery who for all you can say all you want about his rush defense He's a pretty good pass rusher when he's able to just do that. Now, there's been issues of him actually getting home and finishing, but like that, that is one of the things he is good at. And so I think the Chargers, it seems, like having that versatile chess piece. And it seems that they feel Covington can bring more impact to what they need than Fahoka. Now, again, crowd favorite. I know. Great story. And everyone loves him. But like, let's also put it in perspective here, Jake and everyone else, that we're talking about the 53rd, or in this case, 54th player on the roster. Like, 
I, I know I think, it sucks. I think it sucks. I think where more of my frustration came into it, Dan, was, as you said, we're talking about the 53-man roster here and potentially the 53rd guy. 54th. (laughs) Whichever you want to (laughs) say. The message that was preached was about competition, earning your spot, and as the quote put it, sustaining uh, continuity. Can you do it continuously? Can you be consistent in winning and winning individual battles? Dan, when we talked about it, yes, I get what you're saying as far as the guys who are ahead of Brandon Fajoko here. He's not going to overtake Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox's starting spot. I get all that. We're not talking about a starter here. We're not talking about some big name free agent. But what was talked about so much after the Chargers victory in the Raiders game, people talked about the depth the depth of the team showed up. Mm-hmm. Brennan Fajoko was a key depth piece to this team. And he, he did everything that was asked of him to do to earn his spot. And so I know that this, I, I, I know what, what Popper here is in his article. Obviously, it's, he's trying to connect some dots. There are some things that financially possibly make sense as far as why this was done now. And again, it's it's just it's it's very weird because and again it almost kind of just I don't want to say it necessarily makes sense because it doesn't make sense, but that was the whole thing that threw me off. Why would you cut Brennan Fahoko now when you didn't even have him active on the roster? What was the logic of that? It's not like he was in the game and put any bad tape on there for you to justify, oh, we're going to go in a different direction. This isn't week eight or week 10 no, where continuous games like that have, hap- have had to happen and you make a, make a change based off of a handful of playing time. This was after one week and a, and a, and a person not even playing. So I, I, I just don't get the, I get it. The inconsistent I, I, I messaging. Yes, if you will. I, I do. I do implore folks to let this play out. We saw what happened with Michael Bandy, where everyone was going crazy that Michael Bandy didn't get, make the roster. And all of a sudden now he's on the roster anyways, and we might see him this week. Um, so for all we know, we might have Covington and we might have Fajoko. So like, let's let's just take a breath for a sec. I'm sure Staley and company are going to be asked more questions, and we'll see how this transpires. Um, crazier things have happened, but in terms of depth, you mentioned it. Like again, he wasn't even suited up. So I know depth was a big piece. He wasn't even on the 53. So like, I think there's an emotional attachment here which is a big component of it. And everyone kind of likes the story and he's a great guy and he earned his, he earned his spot. No one's going to question that, but I'm more just kind of putting in perspective of like how I don't want to minimize this, but I also want to put in perspective that we're not talking about like a, you know, a guy who's a starter who just got cut. We're not talking about a guy who is going to be playing, you know, 30 snaps a game. Like like this, not necessarily pick your battles, but like let's just let's let it play out before everyone just starts crucifying Telesco and Staley and say I don't trust you anymore. Like ah, the season's over. Um, so went a little long here. Um, let's wait to see. Cooler heads always prevail, usually. Uh, but I'm glad you brought that up, Jake. You know what? I will say 
The one thing that I do think that was kind of crappy about this, and I think I talked about this offline, it reminded me of the, you saw all the stuff, the drama, People Magazine stuff about like uh, Tom Brady and Gazelle with their issues now because Tom Brady. Gazelle, he's not married to an animal. (laughs) (laughs) Gazelle. 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 Get the name right. Um, And honestly, like, I get it from her perspective. Like, you've been busting your ass as a mom for however long, and you finally got your husband to understand and to realize and to accept the fact like, okay, I got to be a family man too. And I want to take care of my family. I want to be home for them for memories. Finally retires. And then, Oh, just kidding. Pull a rug out. I'm back. Like that sucks. And that that's the same kind of vibe I get with this decision with the charges and brain of Ohoko, where it's like, okay, we like you. You're in. Awesome. Just kidding. You're out. <laughs> like I immediately thought of a few good men. When I don't know, people were like, what? what the hell are you talking about, Jake? <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, my opinion is the great, the best courtroom movie that's ever been made with the characters, the storyline, whatnot. But I just immediately went to the great quote by Jack Nicholson after he's basically found guilty of what he has done. And he's throwing his last barb at Tom Cruise and basically said, All you did was weaken a country today, Kathy. That's all you did. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> All the Chargers did was weaken their team today. (laughs) You can't handle the truth. (laughs) But look, the truth is the Chargers are 1-0, beat the Las Vegas Raiders, currently sit atop the division along with the Kansas City Chiefs. Broncos may very well also be 1-0, although I think they're still losing last time we checked in this Monday night game. Uh, Jake, Chargers won. Maybe some people are still listening. (laughs) But damn, it feels good, man. Short week. We've got Chargers versus Raiders on Thursday. we got upcoming episodes. We're going to go into all of the preview breakdowns of the Chiefs versus the Chargers. Prime time. Thursday night football. We don't even have to wait for a Thursday night game this year. Nope. For Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake T. Hefner. Myself at Dan W. Sports. You see the fourth and Staley hat. You can get 25% off. Use the code Unleash at LA Football Network. Go to the shop, check it out. Uh, next time, I might wear the uh, paid actor shirt. I think I got to represent that here. There you go. Uh, but until our next episode, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Chargers win 24 19. Let's ride, as Brandon <laughs> Staley says. Let's ride. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next on Chargers Unleashed. <laughs>